and welcome to the Energetic Principles Podcast. I'm your host, Melissa LaFera, an astrologer, tarot consultant, all-around creative from sunny San Diego, California. And this is the 84th episode of the podcast, airing the week of January 20th, 2020. Now, I'm delighted to share my wonderful interview with Oklahoma City-based professional astrologer and VP of AYA, Joe Gleason, who will join me in a discussion on Aquarius season 2020. Now, Joe and I will break down the overarching themes of this year's Aquarius season, as it seems to be situated as a bit of an in-between zone for the hot pockets of action in the first part of this impactful year. Now, we had such a fun time chatting, and I hope you enjoy our enjoyment. Now, a fabulous way to show appreciation for this podcast and my astrological efforts is to support the weekly Patreon-exclusive astrology forecast, audiocast, podcast, whatever you want to call it, which includes, of course, my seven-day forecast, but also the tarot polls for the week and the animal ambassador. Now, it's very similar to the uh, incarnation that lived once previously um, that preceded my podcast interviews. So if you enjoyed those forecasts, please consider signing up in support. Now, new episodes launch weekly on Sundays at midnight Pacific time. So if you want to stay up to date with the micro and the macro, because I get in there, but I also pull it back a lot too, um, you know, just to stay abreast with the current energies and the dynamic shifts that are underway, you know, I am here to help you with that. So for $5 a month, you'll be able to access the weekly forecast. You'll get early guest interviews before they reach the public. Like the patrons get this, you know, five days prior to then when you might be listening to this just on Monday. And I also have five of my Astro Storytime episodes, which are a total of something like six and a half hours worth of Astro Storytime. So that starts at that $5 a month level. Now for a few dollars more at $8 a month, you can access all that I just mentioned. Plus you'll receive my weekly podcast show notes and the option to Ask Mel, which is a new segment added to my forecast show where I answer Patreon questions. And I really do encourage you to ask me anything. So there is so much dynamic action going on throughout, you know, 2020. So to sign up for the forecast and stay in the know and to support these interview broadcasts in the process, you can do so on Patreon at patreon.com backslash energetic principles. You can also show appreciation by making a one-time donation over at Mel's tip jar, which you can find on the front page of energeticprinciples.com. All right, it's time to hear what Aquarius season has in store. Are you ready? Okay, here we go. Now let's meet our guest. All right, I am so happy to welcome this week's special guest. We have Joe Gleason with us. Thank you for joining me, Joe. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. 
I'm excited to have you as well. I've been reading Joe's. Uh, you always are writing fabulous astro, you know, things from her imagination, you know, not your typical stuff too. Ways to look at transits and planets a little differently. And so I just wanted to have her on the podcast for a while and now is the time. And we are going to be talking about Aquarius season 2020, which is an interesting season um, in between all the action going on. Uh, but before we get started here, Joe, will you give a little uh, tell the folks a little background on yourself. Sure. Um, well, I'm from Oklahoma City, so I'm kind of located in this Midwest Bible Belt kind of area. So my upbringing is probably not a huge surprise. I was homeschooled. I was raised in a very religious household. And so it's like, okay, so how'd you end up being an astrologer? Um, I kind of ended up exploring a lot of different spiritual and metaphysical pursuits after I left home when I was in my early 20s. And astrology is kind of the one thing that finally stuck. I actually started with palmistry and I was super into like energy work, like I'm Reiki certified and all this stuff. You know, I feel like who wasn't Reiki certified like in the 20s, like 2010s? Um, No shade at all, truly. But um, astrology really stuck with me and I got serious about it in... 2014. And I kind of just delved straight into traditional astrology, straight into my studies and took it really seriously. I was like, this is important to me. It's important to the community that I am able to back up what I'm talking about and all this stuff. So I I had all these ideas about wanting to do it right from the beginning, um, which is very Saturnian of me as I'm like saying it out loud. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so early on as well, Um, sort of in my kind of integration into the community, I started working, doing some social media management and things. So I did some work with the State of the Art Astrology Conference when that was around. And I also started working with uh, the Association for Young Astrologers doing their social media management. And in the summer of 2018, I transitioned to the role of vice president. So community involvement, kind of trying to understand what the community needs from astrologers and, um, you know, what the community needs in general, how it's changing is something that's really important to me and a big part of kind of my focus and my work. Oh, I love that. The uh, Well, especially, um, well, a couple parts of that, actually. I love that you brought up how you got into astrology, actually, via palmistry, which is yeah. uh, my, my same story, um, as really? it is uh, Mackenzie Greer, who was on the pro- uh, program um, a handful of months ago, and we did an episode on astrology and palmistry, because we both got into astrology via palmistry. So now you're our third leg in, the, in that story. And I just love that because I, that's cool. Um, and, you know, I think you're the first person to bring up um, the Young Astrologers Association onto the podcast and to let people know that that is a resource. Um, and what, what's the web address for, for that group? The, uh, the URL is youngastrologers.org. Okay. And so, and you don't have to be just a young astrologer, (laughs) I'm sure. Yeah, for sure. So there's, that's a huge um, question that comes up about our name, totally understandably, but we are the association for young astrologers, not just of young astrologers. And so there's absolutely no age limit or requirement or anything like that at all. And young means more than just age. Young means new or green or like just entering into a practice where, you know, 
imagine kind of the first time you really started anything where there are all these resources and all these directions you could go and it's exciting and you're eager and it's kind of overwhelming and like you appreciate in those moments kind of helping hands or people to help guide you in the right direction. And that's those people, regardless of, you know, if they've had one Saturn return or two or zero, it doesn't really matter if you're new and you're young in your practice, we want to help you and provide you with resources. So definitely not only for young people, because even that's relative, like ask, ask like Chris Brennan, if he feels like a young astrologer next to like Rob Hand or like Demetra George, you know what I mean? Like everything's so relative. So nothing to do with numbers, just um, hoping to welcome new people into our community. Oh, I love that. And, and it's a great resource because there is so much out there. And if you don't get funneled in, you know, at least somewhat of an, a direction, you could spend, I mean, a long time before you find the, you know, the right niche for you, or maybe the right astrology or get to the right resources. And, Nobody's got time for that, especially with all the, you know, Saturn breathing down your neck. We, this is what Truly. these groups are so great for is that it can help uh, funnel that information so you can get started uh, with a more solid foundation uh, and have the support of other people who are interested in the same thing, which is wonderful. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So that's well, my jam. I that's her jam. So go check out her jam, her VP jam over there. And you guys are always doing, um, are you still doing your dinner and drinks series or uh, your web yeah. webinar series? Yeah, we're doing a dinner and drink series, which is every month we all kind of gather for a casual type Q&A with um, an astrologer in the community, trying to kind of recreate what it's like, you know, after hours at a conference when everyone's like in the lobby or in the lounge or going out to dinner and you just kind of get to pick someone's brain and it's not really a lecture. It's like about being in a room with this person you admire and getting to casually chat with them and ask them questions and kind of create a round table environment because there are so many amazing webinars and it's like, how can we bring some of this down to earth? So especially, you know, people who are new to the field know kind of what it's like to really talk to an astrologer, a real astrologer, a real person, and like what it's really like to do this practice and to kind of highlight these practitioners and what they're doing and how they're doing it in in more of like a kind of nitty gritty way. So yes, we do that once a month. Nice. And so there's another resource too that's just at your fingertips if you go on over and check it out. Um, So I guess the last thing I'll ask you before we get into our Aquarius season uh, episode is, now you mentioned you got into astrology through, um, you know, the palmistry. Now, how old were you or how did that come about? Because I've been collecting people's stories and I just find it fascinating. <laughs> yeah. So honestly, I was such a straight edge kid. Like it's ridiculous. Like I was so goal oriented and I so like never did anything wrong. I was not rebellious. And so I didn't start exploring this stuff until I was 19 or 20. And then like the floodgates opened. I had like a huge crisis about like religion and like, oh my God, you know, what, it, you know, my whole world was crashing down, I thought. And then it turns out it was just like the walls of the box falling down. And then yeah. I felt very liberated. I think a lot of us can relate to that experience. So I'd say around 20. And then um, when I got into, so then there were a few years you know, in between there, just kind of trying everything, experiencing everything, reading lots of books, thought I was going to be a doula for a while, you know, all the <laughs> things. And um, 
And yeah, again, astrology just really stuck, but it really was my early 20s when this kicked off, which is, I believe that was when Uranus entered my ninth house as well. So I, I, it's one of those transits that I kind of forget that that's like when that started, but it lined up very exactly. So totally shaken up my worldview and, and all that stuff. Oh, how interesting is that? Especially that ninth house connection and how you said, I know we feel like the world is like crashing down on us when we have these like, you know, kind of, I wanted to use the term come to Jesus moments. Um, but you know, really it's, it's just that it's opening up. It's just blossoming forward. And that can feel very disconcerting at first, but really you're just opening up. Well, you're falling in with, you know, there's people, it seems to be 12 years, a lot of 12 years old, that first Jupiter return, they just get something that like, you know, whether it's a family member or a book that they come across. Um, A a lot of 24s too at the double, you know, Mm -hmm. Jupiter return. And then people like myself at Saturn return, uh, that's what took me that long until I was guided to my palmistry book that, you know, took this path. Um, And so I'm noticing these kind of Jupiter, uh, Saturn returns, but I really like your story kind of coinciding with that ninth house experience experience and being kind of shaken up and awakened there. Yeah. And I think, you know, now that you're mentioning 24, there was all the opening up and experimentation and all of that jazz where astrology really entered my life. But when I started to really be, you know, get serious about astrology specifically and realize, you know, like I didn't know how to move forward with palmistry. I had like the purple book from Barnes and Noble on on palmistry. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, and I didn't know how to go find solid resources on pretty much anything um, until I found out how to do that through astrology because I heard of Project Hindsight and uh, lost my mind. I was so excited. (laughs) But anyways, um, it was probably around 24 that I got really solidified in like, okay, astrology is what I'm going to focus on. So I think there's that Jupiter connection there too, because that would have been Let's see. I'm like, how old am I now? What year is I it? Know. Where I are we? I don't want to remember. <laughs> I know. Um, it would have been right around when I was 23, 24. Yeah. So. Right on time. Right on time. Perfect. Right on Jupiter time, I guess. Yes. <laughs> Very nice. Well, thank you for sharing that story. I just find them so fascinating of how we all got there because it's always this initiation process that brings us. And what I thought would be so different, they all seem to be somewhat similar, you know, about <laughs> we all yeah. get here. So, yeah. well, and here we are now we're seasoned astrologers <laughs> and we want to tell you about Aquarius season, uh, you know, and oh my goodness, well, Capricorn, what's yeah. there even to say about, how did you experience that Capricorn uh, season? I know we're still in it as we're talking, but you know, any <laughs> quick takeaways yeah. or words or feelings? <laughs> Um, you know, I was curious, especially about the Saturn-Pluto conjunction finally going exact and like finally, like what would that really be like? It's right in the midst of eclipse season. And, um, you know, it, it panned out pretty much how I thought it would in my own personal life of just having the final confrontation of like, yep, that old thing is completely done. Yeah. You cannot do that old way one more time or you know just just that very down to earth grounded like yep this is the reality and like this is you're you're gonna have to handle it and you know i capricorn season's been very heavy but i've actually been really enjoying jupiter in capricorn Mm. because it's still jupiter and i feel like it's really grounding some of our ideas and our dreams and these like high 
minded possibilities and like all these things we could do. Like I found that really overwhelming, especially towards the end of Jupiter and Sag, even though everyone was like, hurry up and do all your awesome things while Jupiter's in Sagittarius. I've, I've really enjoyed kind of a little bit more grounding around that because it, it feels like grounding that optimism with some just good sense and just yeah. some realistic, like this is what you can realistically do and do well. And so you can commit to that and feel good knowing that and feel good, you know, feel okay about letting some of these other things go, some of these other amazing projects and ideas and focus on what's really, really important. And I think that feeling of, I I think underneath all the heaviness, there's been plenty of heaviness in Capricorn season. It's been, it's just been emotionally tough. People have been kind of put through the ringer in a lot of situations. Um, But there's this kind of underlying feeling with Jupiter there of it clarifying what's really important and kind of allowing you to admit to yourself what's really important and what is really not important. Mm. And so is that like fun and joyful and like happy? Not really, but there's, there's, um, a level of like maturity to that kind of optimism and that kind of um, it's, it maybe isn't joy, but it feels like purpose or maybe it's not like optimism as much as it is like um, clarity and understanding and um, finding contentment in where you are now and acceptance that feels good. It doesn't just feel like raging and writhing against the chains of Saturn. You know what I mean? Like there's something else there and it's been very tough, but like the, the phrase that keeps coming to my mind is like the things that are really hard, but really worth it. Yeah. And it's just a different kind of feeling. So it's been, it's been tough, but it's, but there are the good parts. I absolutely agree with all of that. And you know what? I'm going to say that Jupiter can do with a little dose of common sense, (laughs) which, you know, Capricorn can bring to it because, you know, I have this whole thing with planets in their their domicile. And yes, they are very strong, but, you know, it depends on where you need to be effective. And if, you know, and... Jupiter and Sagittarius only has so much uh, effectiveness in certain areas. Like if you're trying to get a business off the ground and you're trying to develop this, you know, kind of pigeonhole that idea and, and take it to its next stage of development, you know, Jupiter and Sag might not, you know, we can get those fluffy ideas of how all the entertain all the possibilities, kind of like what you were saying. Um, but at the end of the day, we got to focus in to grow. And so where I feel like if any walls were closed in at this time, it's only because our path is narrowing so that we can really focus on what is truly important or what is truly within our, you know, control or on power, our own grasp at this point in time. And maybe the other stuff will be left for later, you know, when the moment's right for that. But right now, it just everything seems to have to be funneled into one sort of narrow um, zone in order to really make progress going forward. And maybe that's part of the Saturn-Pluto thing, you know, because at the end of the day, Jupiter is listening uh, to those orders. <laughs> um, totally. And, and I think that's going to carry through Aquarius season too, because, you know, Aquarius uh, is traditionally ruled by Saturn. So we're still in the Saturn zone as far as just the planetary energies uh, taking place here. Now, we officially start Aquarius season on the 20th here. When does, when does that sun ingress? 
Uh, I think it is the, yeah, yeah, the 20th at 6.54 a.m. here on the Pacific Coast. So that'll be, well, morning time, morning yeah. time in North America. We'll be in Aquarius. Actually, the day that this airs uh, for to the public, it will be Aquarius season. Um, and I've noticed all these seasons are kind of changing over with these like first couple days of like the end of the lunar cycle, right? We're kind of just getting, we're, yeah. we're, you know, we're transitioning out of the old, you know, the whole Capricorn season. And so we kind of sit in between this, in between zone of uh, this one's only about you know about four days before we have our new moon in Aquarius that kicks things off on uh, the twenty fourth uh, that following Friday, um, but there's just so much that happens right when we get in there, isn't there? Yeah. Um, so the second, the second, the very second, <laughs> the sun moves into Aquarius. Uh, it basically goes on to square Uranus, which is kind of. Um, you know, that's, that's big news, eh? Um, and kind of giving us a lot of foreshadow for planetary movements that are coming through 2020 and the early part of 2021. But Joe, okay, so the sun in Aquarius wearing that, that Taurus Uranus, what are your first thoughts <laughs> come to mind? Oh, man. Um, well, every time I think about the transition from Capricorn to Aquarius, it's, it's really interesting because first of all, it's this unique part of the Zodiac where we get 60 whole degrees in a row ruled by Saturn. It's right. Saturn and then it's Saturn again. But it's so different because um, Aquarius is an air sign. And so it, there's a little bit less density with Aquarius. So I think of things lightening up. I usually, like an image that comes to my mind is like, you've been kind of cresting this mountain pass. You've been doing that extremely hard climb, Capricorn mountain goat. We've all heard <laughs> yeah. that one, but like you've really been laboring. It's really been relentless and you've been really persevering and you're finally at this peak or at this um, place where you can kind of like breathe in that fresh, thin air that's very high above the ground. You have the altitude to see where you're going next rather than just the rock in front of you or like the foothold or handhold in front of you. So there is this idea of kind of distance and altitude with Aquarius and lightening things up and having a little bit more space around whatever these um, Saturnian topics are in your life or feelings or or what have you. And um, so the fact that we get a square from Uranus instantly is kind of the way I'm thinking about it is we're all, you know, we're all separating from this Saturn-Pluto conjunction from this eclipse season. We're all kind of feeling the move away from that, you know, peak intensity. So it's like, we're ready to have this extra space. We're ready to have this new perspective and it's going to hit probably harder than, than we expect. There may be something we didn't expect to see from this new bird's eye view mm-hmm. where, you know, we were feeling it coming. I think there's going to be a lot of anticipation of feeling like there are some brighter skies around the corner. I know I already feel that way. Um, and so we could be surprised at what we see around this next corner. And I was going to say the same thing. This degree, this like two of fixed signs, especially to Aquarius, to Taurus is really going to be activated by other things this year. Um, particularly, you know, the Saturn Jupiter conjunction that's going to happen later in 2020, but this degree between Aquarius and Taurus, this two degrees fixed signs is something to watch for, for foreshadowing. So it's like, what surprises you? What is the revelation you have? You know, maybe we're finally kind of plotting our course or, 
getting that fresh perspective with Aquarius season and you know, what are, what are those things that you didn't expect to see that are going to kind of galvanize you to try things a new way or, you know, it's, and expect the unexpected is like the most annoying phrase in the world at this point, but it's truly (laughs) one of the only ways to describe the significations of Uranus. It's just like, you know, be prepared not only for a lightning around some of these issues and some of these things and some movement, be prepared for maybe some like tectonic shifts as well. And it's a good time to see the opportunity in those because they can feel a little disruptive sometimes, but there's opportunity when things destabilize. So that's going to be where the strategy comes in. Yeah. So. Oh, I love that the opportunity where things destabilize because that's, you know, when we think of Saturn, we think of trying to stable things out here. And of course it's yeah. done its own destabilization with the Pluto component. Um, and here we have the sun coming around meeting Uranus immediately when he said, okay, two things. Um, the the point that this is going to be meeting at very uh, a very crucial point that is going to be played out over the year you know, this might be that lead in breadcrumb where it just drops on the ground and you're like, oh, what's this? Or, oh, I didn't expect that. (laughs) You know, it depends on what level we're working Mm -hmm. with here in your own chart. Um, But that might be that opening of the door or that aha or that kind of breakthrough. Or, you know, sometimes another kind of cliche part with Uranus is the idea of the breakdown breakthrough in order to get over the hump Mm -hmm. to something or to expand, you know, your awareness. And so there absolutely might be breadcrumbs that are dropped either gently on the ground or it starts raining them and it's trying to, you yep. know, it's, it can go either way. Um, but I also liked how you said how the, the air, you know, we climb the mountain and then we're at the top. We have this like bigger vista and the air is a little thinner. And so it made me think of when you get kind of lightheaded um, and you just might get a little goofy or a little, you know, you're just, you're taken out of your element um, in a sense to where, you know, you, you, you lighten up enough and get out enough of the, the the density in order to see things differently or like maybe laugh about it or detach enough. Cause that's another part of Aquarius is we can kind of get out of, if we were mired in something or a point of view or an activity or whatever, you know, we get, we get that sense of detachment so we can pull back um, and get a wider view of where we're at. And I really think that's kind of part of this Aquarius season, not only because that's an aspect of Aquarius, but just because of the, you know, Capricorn season and Pisces season are kind of loaded. So to be in this, <laughs> I, yeah. I could probably take out the kind of, um, but you know, to be <laughs> in the middle here, we are in this in-between space and just a, a little bit of detachment and, and that bird's eye view can, I think, really do us wonders at, at this time. Um, but it does get started with a, a bit of a bang with that Sun-Uranus square. Um, and if you work with Chiron as well, that will be sextiling Chiron at the uh, early degrees of Aries too. And I have found that um, when, you know, because all these planets, just the way that's kind of lit up is that they seem to hit uh, Chiron and Uranus kind of around the same time. And so we get surprised and shocked by something. Um, But I feel like whatever trigger that we go through, we, we 
get a nugget of like understanding or wisdom through the process. And so it's not just like a shake up for the sake of shaking up. It's, we get something from it. We learn something about ourselves and our own process um, through it. And so, you know, this might be a very much a learning (laughs) experience as we're in the dark, you know, introspective stages of the, the end of the old lunar cycle when the square hits um, before we get to that new moon on Friday the 24th. So I guess that first week, you know, that first couple days, it's, oh, it's, <laughs> yeah, it, it's really interesting that it's, it's a dark moon phase, right? When we get the ingress, right? And it's this Uranus square, it's this Chiron sextile, and then it's the new moon. And I think a lot of the vibe around it, like the vibe I get from looking at these transits is like, everybody's kind of gathering themselves after the tough eclipse season, Saturn, Pluto, whatever, whatever, and going, okay, now I know what I really need to work on. I think I can kind of move on. I can take some more steps. And then it's just this, this thing where we get the, or we get the Uranus square with the ingress and it's like, oh, this is what I'm going to be working on. And maybe it's not what you thought, but I think there will be this kind of insight realization, especially with the sextile to Chiron of like, you know, oh, this is, this is the next step. I thought this other thing was, this was what like my mind wanted or maybe my ego wanted, but like, this is where the healing is taking me. Mm -hmm. This is where the breadcrumb is leading me. You know what? And and Aquarius is a Saturn ruled sign. It is an air sign. We there is this real desire to kind of play master strategist and really make your plan and plot your points and have it just like this because that's the way that makes the most sense. I considered all the options and this is the old way. I'm going to do it this new way. And you know what? The universe usually has different ideas and sometimes they're better ideas. So it it feels like a like a turning the page and just being like, whoa, okay. Didn't think this would be on this page, but this is what it is. And it's the new path and it's exciting. It is exciting. And that's that's really the spirit to live in at this time. Yes. Is is the spirit of excitement and knowing that, you know what, having um you know, less control over outcomes is actually a, could be a very much desirable thing because you know the universe can shower you with gifts only if you let it, <laughs> you know, Absolutely. and you know, if you're trying to dictate exactly how it's all going to go, um, you know, bless our earth, uh, sign hearts, <laughs> that <have laughs> heavy earth and we we're guilty. Um, but you know, you do have to kind of let go and, and see what comes in. And it's very interesting that around that time, you know, right before we get to this new moon, we also have Venus in Pisces, you know, this exalted Venus sextiling into uh, our Jupiter and Capricorn we were just talking about. And really, uh, you know, Venus is going to go through a plethora of transits during Aquarius season. So, you know, she's kind of a a bit of the highlighted planet as far as in as far as I can see for Aquarius season, just because she's making, you know, so many touchdowns with with planets. And so I think that, you know, relationship uh, development is very much going to be highlighted through this season. Uh, but do you see any, you know, what, what about this Venus-Jupiter meeting during this, you know, Sun-Uranus-Chiron action? Yeah, this is so interesting because <laughs> so, the way I look at so many transits is like, okay, who's in charge of this sign and what, and the planet transiting through that sign how are they going to receive the orders or instructions from the ruling planet? So um, interestingly enough for Aquarius season, both 
Venus and Mars are looking to Jupiter, mm-hmm. who rules, you know, Pisces and Sagittarius, and going, okay, I'm transiting through your sign. What are we up to this season? And Jupiter's like, uh, priorities. That's what yeah. we're up to. <laughs> <laughs> and then, of course, it all goes back to Saturn, but I don't want to get too ahead of myself here. I think Venus and Pisces, sextiling Jupiter in Capricorn, um, who is her ruler, is really about you know, as we're plotting our new course, as we're looking at these new developments, as we're turning over this new page, this new lunar cycle, we're out of eclipse season, we kind of know what work we're going to need to be doing. It is going to be essential. You know, Venus and Jupiter are reminding us, hey, you know, you've realized now that you can't build your empire with ideas. You need to build it with stone and mortar and something that's going to last and a foundation but you can't build it if you work yourself to the bone every single day. You have to factor in your healing in your master plan. And that's the sense I really get from this. Mm. Um, I think, you know, Venus and Pisces looking to Jupiter and Capricorn for advice or help or um, for partnership for working together through this sextile aspect is really saying, you know, help me understand where my boundaries need to be so I can heal. And so I can give my emotional energy, my spiritual energy um, to what I need to give it to and have enough at the end of the day. Because um, there is this aspect of generosity in in um, Jupiter-ruled signs. And with Pisces being a water sign as well, I just think of this idea of you know, Venus and Pisces is like, isn't it just so great how love is limitless and unconditional? Yeah. And like, she's right. But, you know, we also live in Saturn's world. So it's like, okay, how can we create safe containers and spaces to, to grow this love and make sure you're giving enough back to yourself and make sure you're, you're, you're putting it um, where you need to? Because there is this Jupiter in Capricorn and Saturn in Capricorn kind of idea of like, you know, there really are only 24 hours in a day. (laughs) They're really, you really don't have unlimited space or energy. So how can you really put it where it needs to go and really make it count? And I think it's kind of about, uh, tempering how much we give, um, because we all want to heal. We all want to help each other. We all, and we do owe each other. Like we do, we should show up for one another, but it's like, we've got to have, we've got to have the boundaries and the limits around that for it to really work. So it's like discerning how to incorporate this unconditional love, this connection, this generosity and this healing and put it into your plan, put it into your priority list exactly where it needs to be for you and for those you love. Um, because if you don't heal, like you're not going to build your empire. It's really oh. not going to work. <laughs> yeah. Like- so that's the vibe that I get. It's, it's a little bit sobering. It's, um, but, but I think it's also could be about like implementing some creativity. You know, like Venus in Pisces is super creative and super imaginative. How can you think more creatively about how you're going about your prioritization process and how you're grounding these ideas and being doing your Capricorn stuff? How can you do it creatively and try to maybe do it in a new way and kind of realize that there's, you know, all of these it's interesting to think too, like everything that goes through Capricorn right now is at least getting a whole sign aspect 
from Uranus. You know, it's like, you got to, how can you do this a new way? How can you think creatively about these things you're doing? It doesn't have to be boring or depressing. (laughs) You know, it can be creative. It can be stimulating and grounded at the same time. So Mm. those are my thoughts on that. I love all those thoughts. Those thoughts are great. And I think you're absolutely right about, you know, Venus who might off be drifting in fantasy land in her Pisces sea and zone, you know, she gets that down to earth, uh, energy from Jupiter being in Capricorn. So where, you know, you could have all these creative thoughts and visions and fantasies of what's possible. You know, she has planetary support to help make this thing real, you know, with a little bit of work, with a little bit of structure, with a little bit of planning. (laughs) Um, And like you said, I love that doing something differently because, and especially at the time that we have the sun squaring, you know, Uranus. Exactly. Yes, it is time to do things differently. uh, And we can use that creativity and uh, put it into form because, you know, the water and earth coming together, we can just make that clay and we can start to build our adobe here, you know? Um, And so she can help us, you know, along, and we'll be talking more about here, her here, uh, you know, throughout the program. But while she's in that zone, I think that any, you know, and we're all creative. So I'm like any artists out there, you know, we all are artists in our own sense, but if you do work in, uh, in art or music or, you know, the things that rely on your constant creativity being put into form, you know, this is a wonderful time to work your magic. So definitely, you know, utilize Pis- uh, Venus while she's in Pisces and especially since Jupiter uh, is in Capricorn now. So, um, so there we have it. We haven't got to the new moon yet, but really a lot of the action's all happening in the first part of this lunar cycle. So um, now, of course, we get to our new moon on January 24th. It's going to happen at four degrees and 21 minutes of Aquarius. Um, and then pretty much between the new moon and the first quarter, um, and really what is kind of packed into the new moon chart, we have... Um, of course, our Aquarius energy, but we have Mercury making a sextile to Mars, uh, you know, connecting Aquarius and Sagittarius there. We have Venus squaring her counterpart Mars, which is big news uh, from both Pisces and Sagittarius. And we have Venus about to conjunct Neptune um, also, and then Mars squares Neptune. So there is... There's a lot of relationship stuff brewing, I think, <laughs> around this first yeah. start. <laughs> do, do you reckon? Um, so, you know, how do, how do we unpack that? How do we unpack Venus, especially Venus and Mars squaring off? Because they don't do that every day, right? Yeah. Joe, what do you think? Oh, man, this is so interesting. I was looking over our outline and just kind of like thinking about this month and like writing about it because that's what I do. And I just have paragraph on paragraph on paragraph on this (laughs) because it's just so fascinating. Um, Again, the way I approach transits like this is so often to, you know, look at who's in charge of who. And so Jupiter's in charge of Venus and Mars here. So we talked a little bit about how like Venus and Pisces, what is Venus and Pisces want to do? What is she good at doing? What is, what, what does she want to do in Pisces? And it's like, connect with people, create beautiful art, heal, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And, and connection is so big. And it's like, what does Mars and Sagittarius want to do? And why is that at cross purposes with what Venus wants to do? Cause we've got this square aspect. There's something that there's something dynamic. There's something they may not agree about. You know, maybe their priorities aren't the same. Mm. Um, so it's like, 
what does Mars and Sagittarius want? And when Mars is in a fire sign, especially a mutable fire sign and a Jupiter ruled fire sign, Mars is just like, awesome. Let's go do everything. We can totally do it. Let's do this. And, you know, Jupiter and Capricorn is like, you know, we actually really need to kind of narrow it down. We need to be smart about where we put our energy and Mars is like, okay, so we need to do less. Awesome. But, but how much can we still do? Like there's this idea. It feels to me like, okay, we have to pare down the actions that we're taking because Mars wants to take action and Mars wants to, especially in Sagittarius, you know, um, fight for what's right and what's worth fighting for. And like, just tell me what I'm here to defend. And like, I'll do that. Like Mars wants to take action in this mutable fire sign. So it's like wanting to figure out what we're supposed to do now. Cause there's been so much of Saturn being like, don't do this. This doesn't work for you anymore. This needs to, you know, this is leaving your life. You're letting go of this. There's a lot of kind of no, 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 that's been happening and elimination and with, especially with the South node really letting go. And so Mars is like, what can I do? Show me what I can do. And wants to be able to take an action, especially as we're in Aquarius season, this air sign season, like we want more movement. We want to be able to do something. So, and especially with this sextile from Mercury, um, we want to make the plan and go execute it so we can feel like we're moving forward again. I think there's going to be a lot of eagerness, but with the Neptune aspects, Venus conjoining Neptune and Mars squaring Neptune, I think the, the little wrench in our, in, in our <laughs> machine is going to be like, but is this the right decision? What if it's not? Like, what if it messes something up and like, I, I feel the heaviness again, or if, what if it makes me feel vulnerable or like, what if I don't do it right? Or what if I can't do it? Neptune, um, at least how I experience Neptune and I've seen it this way, there's, there's this divine creativity aspect. There's so much potential there, but it's, it's slippery. And sometimes it signifies doubt coming in and things like paranoia and doubt inhibiting our action or inhibiting or blurring lines and boundaries. So, you know, I think with Venus and Mars, so we can't ignore Neptune in, in any of this. So no. it's not just a Venus Mars square. It's, it's with Neptune tightly connected here. It's, you know, Jupiter is saying, okay, Venus and Mars. Okay. Kids, you need <laughs> to get your priorities straight as you do this transit. And they're like, okay, dad. And like, Mars wants to take action and do the thing and like fight the good fight. And Venus wants to put people first. And there's a confusion about which, which one we should choose. Mm -hmm. So I think, especially with the Uranus square, this is a time to uh, do a lot of observation, really use that bird's eye view and experience and observe things as they're happening to you and understand that they could change the next day and your feelings could change about them the next day. Um, if you have that argument with somebody or, you know, this, this Venus Mars square, I hate to say it, it just screams hurt feelings to me, I, you know, like know. soft Venus and Pisces and, and Mars being so passionate when we get in the moment, it's sometimes we say things we don't mean, or sometimes we are extra vulnerable and sensitive. And I think this is a good time to allow the mutability that we have here to allow you to be agile and pivot mm -hmm. and kind of flex and bend a little bit rather than trying to hold things so tightly that you break because that's not necessary. And it, 
is only going to cause suffering if you hold too tightly. So I think once we get past the Neptune conjunction and Neptune square with Venus and Mars, it can be a little bit more clarifying and a little bit more dynamic. But I I think there could be a lot of doubt around that time Mm, and questioning. Yes, absolutely. Like it will not quite be clear. And what you said about hurt feelings and the possibility of, you know, saying things coming out and, you know, not being well received or saying, well, I'm trying my best. Like, you know, Mercury is caught up with Mars sextiling in there. And, you know, Mercury and Aquarius, and we have a fixed, uh, you know, air sign here looking over to Saturn. So if, say, you know, that does go down and, you know, but Venus and Mars are like, oh, I'm an adaptable in my mutable zones. But Mercury's like, I am stuck on what has been said. <laughs> and, but, yeah. you know, and it might be fixated on, on that in its perspective. Um, and, and I will just say like, as far as it's, it's so interesting that when the Venus, uh, with the Venus conjuncts the <laughs> Neptune, um, when, when Venus conjuncts Neptune and, and Mars squares consecutively on the 27th and 28th, we also have a moon in Pisces. So, you know, 27th, 28th, you know, just chalk that up to wait out the fog and see what happens afterwards. But to play on the whole, um, I find this interesting with uh, looking at the, you know, because this is all kind of built in and packed into the new moon. And so even though, you know, we'll have the new moon on the 24th and then these aspects will play out about four days or so after, the whole lunar month is kind of sitting in the signature. And when I looked at four, you know, four degrees Aquarius, if you look at, uh, you know, the tarot correspondence for that, we're looking at the five of swords, which is a card of, um, you know, picking and choosing your battles basically uh, yeah. because there can be defeat in that zone and if you know this is uh, venus in aquarius's territory or at least just by tarot pairing um and i love what mm Moline wrote in her book on the tabula mundi about uh five, the five of swords and she says intellect intellect weakened by passivity and sentiment causes the loss of competitive edge and that I, is so this Mars Venus square. You just blew my saying. mind. Yes. Like that's it. That's the tweet. Like that's all. <laughs> done and done. So, yeah. you know, we have to we have to wait for that to clear. We can't get, you know, sit in the muck if we go down that zone and we have our tiff and, you know, feelings get hurt or we, you know, get disappointed because that's the thing, you know, Venus loves her Pisces, but you know, those rose-colored glasses come off and we can find ourselves very disappointed or are doubtful, like you said earlier, with the Neptune um, action, where we're, we start to doubt everything, you know, all our interactions with each other. Is this real or do they still love me? Uh, you know, like exactly. all this type of stuff. And so, you know, just know that that's kind of a hot spot um, to kind of get around before we can get to our uh, first quarter moon, which will be on February 1st uh, at 12 degrees of Taurus. So I feel like first quarter comes around we have a trine to, um, the moon's going to be trining Jupiter, our friend who's been, uh, <laughs> who's been basically helping dictate all this Mars Venus action. Um, and we're kind of off to the races and what seems like once we get out of that little portion, I feel like we can like get some work done or like, like make some solid moves, you know, what's your, what's your thought on that? Uh, so basically we have first quarter in Taurus at the same time that, uh, actually Venus is, sextiling into Pluto and and Saturn too. So she's making her rounds over there. Yeah, that's interesting that this first quarter moon happens when we get the Venus sextile to 
Saturn and Pluto because it's kind of like coming back down, coming back down to Earth <laughs> yes. and being like, yeah, they do still love me. That was just like really confusing. I was just probably shouldn't have said those things. It's okay though. We're cool. We're moving on. We're back down to earth. Um, <laughs> we're healing just as you said earlier. Yeah. We're, right. we're healing and we learned something from that, et cetera, et cetera. It's, it's really about getting past that Neptune stuff though. Cause that is just, it can just be very confusing. Yeah. Um, just one note on that before we leave it, I yeah. had this image come to me of the Mercury sextile to Mars, mm-hmm. um, Mercury being an Aquarius. And it's like Mars is on the ground and Mercury's like in a helicopter with a headset, like saying, okay, this is what I see ahead of you here. And it's like, there's this big, with Mercury and Mars, there's this big like debate energy of like, you want to talk it out. You want to like kind of argue with someone a little bit to figure out where you stand and figure out your own ideas and like get your bearings. Like it's, it's not Venusian or lunar at all. Like it's not connective and like, well, let's share space. It's like, let's figure it out. Let's try it. If it doesn't work, we'll just you know, try something else. And so there's this kind of, it it might be, that might be a good outlet during all this, this Neptunian stuff. Maybe write it down, maybe like write something down and you burn it later, but like use a mercurial outlet to kind of help you keep maybe some of that bird's eye perspective while so much of our hearts and our bodies are in this confusion type Mm. of space. Cause Mercury is not aspecting Neptune. So anyway, yeah, no, I like helicopter that. helicopter dude on the ground. I don't know. It just came to me, so I thought I'd throw well, it out there. I, I, I like that you shared that because as you're sharing it, it dawned on me that I have Mercury, sextile, Mars in my chart and air and fire signs. So oh if anybody should know, I guess it's me. <laughs> um, it just reversed. Uh, the Mars is in the air and the Mercury's in the fire. Um, but, you know, sometimes that is the process is actually just talking it out. And I always say that with Mercury and Aries, you know, airing it out. So, you know, say you are going through some things, you don't have to sit in it by yourself. You know, you can use, you know, the power of the phone to pick up and call your best friend. You know, this is Mercury and Aquarius, right? You know, call on your trusted uh, resources and confidants and, and discuss it. Maybe they'll be like, oh yeah, no, that's, you're, you're, you're looking, not that you're looking at it wrong, but you know, they can help you bring down to earth and get out of what it might be so emotionally, um, you know, invested in so that your friends and the people that you talk to can help detach and, and, and work that through with you because they're not mired in, in the conflict. Exactly. Yeah. Someone that's above someone's someone that's at a different altitude than you giving a different perspective than you could be a helpful mitigation to the, all those feels, but all those feels. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I do feel like this first quarter moon is like, we can really kind of get our feet on the ground again and kind of start making some progress and start going, okay, all these things that we, all these downloads we got in this very first week, all these things that happened, it's like, whoosh, you know, we're all swept up in it. We're finally kind of being able to tease out what it means. Where do we go from here? How can we kind of get back on a track and feel like, again, we're moving forward without some crazy curveball. Because I think a lot of this is regulating. I mean, even though, you know, this is February, like the very beginning of February, um, I think there's a lot of leveling out and regulating to do after such an intense Capricorn season that it's going to kind of feel like um, it was rocky at first and now here we are. We're solidly in, in Aquarius season and we're, we can kind of move forward and use, use what we learned as, as data. Aquarius <laughs> loves that kind of thing rather than feeling so swept up in it. 
Yes. I like that. Yeah. So, you know, Venus comes around because she's already been through the motions. You know, we, we get grounded by, you know, we get grounded and activated by this Taurus first quarter because it's like, okay, well, we've been, we've been up here long enough. Let's totally. get back down to the ground, you know, put yeah, our hands in the soup, yeah. take a shower, <laughs> all that stuff. And, yeah. and so that we can just get back down to that agenda. And then Venus comes around to basically help open us up to, you know, the Saturn Pluto agenda. Um, and so, as, you know, as she's helping us do this, we basically have Mercury moving into Pisces, um, making his own. So he's moving out of the air. He's, he's hung up his helicopter. He's headed to the waters um, and, or she, or he, you know, whatever we want to call Mercury. Mercury's nothing except both. Um, and so Mercury's now in Pisces and will make a sextile to Uranus. And what's really important about this beyond just that is that we are getting ready for a Mercury retrograde in this area, which will be kind of the uh, cherry on top of the end of Aquarius season here. So, you know, just let's just start with Mercury moving into Pisces and uh, A, how different of that is a shift from Mercury and Aquarius. And uh, what do you think about uh, the messenger touching down with Uranus and kind of preparing for this retrograde? Oh, so yeah. (laughs) Okay. Look, Pisces transits are hard for me personally. It doesn't mean that they're bad, but it just means that I experience them in a certain way. Um, I will say compared to last year's Mercury retrograde in Pisces, this one is not going to spend quite so long conjunct Neptune. That was very unique last year. So I'm personally happy about that. I think the transition from Mercury and Aquarius to Mercury and Pisces is interesting for a number of reasons. One of them being, you know, if Mercury's in the helicopter in Aquarius, plotting the course, filling in these blank spaces on the map, telling you what you should do next, and like, here's what we could do, let's strategize, let's figure it all out, let's make a plan, the best plan, the new plan, you know, right? Mercury and Pisces can soften the edges where need be. And I think that's even a Venus and Pisces thing as she sextiles Jupiter is like, you know, where can we put the flex and the bend and the permeability in these plans. So Mm. we can still have some flow. That's important again, for building something that can last is the ability to change it when you need to. So Mercury moving into Pisces sextile Uranus is probably going to inspire us to implement maybe some tweaks to those plans. We felt were so good in Aquarius season or continue to kind of, um, remember the things that like Venus and Pisces has been telling us like, Hey, your feelings are important when you're, when you're prioritizing your life and making all your plans. Like you really do have to factor in rest days and all that kind of stuff. Just kind of like remembering this component that could feel, um, negligible with so much heavy stuff in Capricorn, remembering that it's still important and yeah, just trying something creative and trying something, something different and new, but it's, it's so you can't ignore that Mercury will go retrograde in Pisces. So this is again, a very good time to observe, stay flexible and understand. This is a good thing to, to keep in mind with your honest transits in general, no matter what kind of your honest transit is happening. Um, don't get too attached to one thing. Mm-hmm. Don't expect a commitment to 
be upheld completely just because it's a commitment because this is a season of change majorly every planet that touches uranus is going to be an opportunity for us to remember hey this could change it doesn't mean be pessimistic and you know realize that all your plans are going to fail that's not what it means it means it's a good time to um stay agile and just remember that it's it's a good time to gather information and not try to keep things one way for too long. So especially with an impending retrograde, it's like, how can Mercury go back over the degrees that Venus has been in and help us kind of cognize some of the heart feelings that we have and some of the things and kind of integrate them in how we think about it. Um, it's interesting when like Mercury follows Venus or something like that, because it's like the mind catching up with the heart or the mind catching up yeah. with the body maybe. Um, Cause Venus transits are really in the heart. They're really in, in our embodied selves and Mercury wants to figure it out and help us understand. So it's like, I think that's going to perhaps be part of this process as well. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right because basically Mercury is just coming around to, you know, dance over all the territory that Venus just, you know, kind of yeah. kicked up dust through with Mars and Neptune. And it doesn't quite reach that part. Like, it, the, like Mercury is mm-hmm. going to station in retrograde before we even kind of reach those hot spots that, you know, yeah. Venus, Neptune, and, and Mars were, uh, you know, contacting each other through. But it doesn't mean that we aren't feeling the Pisces vibe. We aren't feeling the Uranian component. And I love what you said about, um, you know, just not sticking to a particular outcome or getting our minds set on, especially coming out of Aquarius season, like this is the plan, this is how it's going to go, you know, because, you know, Uranus and Taurus, it's like, oh, you had a fixed plan, didn't you? Well, guess what? Cute. Well, Mercury over there, you know, in its, in its fall and detriment position is like, things have changed. Uh, and so, you know, when we get out of this retrograde or, you know, which will be part of Pisces season or even before we start it, part of the retrograde might be the fact that something does change and we have to kind of reconfigure and go back over um, that assessment, especially since Mercury, when it's all said and done, will uh, station at the tail end of Aquarius. So we'll get back to this Aquarius zone. We'll get back to the fixity. But (laughs) for now, (laughs) you got to be in that kind of permeable, the reed that bends with the wind type of situation. Yes. Otherwise you might break. <laughs> yeah. And I just typical, like kind of some general Venus or I'm sorry, Mercury and Pisces things. It is like the, it, it's a peak, like I feel so creative, but I'm also just really confused. And like, I can't get things done. Like it's hard to think like brain fog is very Mercury and Pisces. So it's one of those things where it's, it's a good time not to be too hard on yourself. Yeah. Um, just when thinking about like, oh, I thought I had this awesome plan and now I'm confused again. Like, it's okay. This is part of your process. You will get back to that plan, but you need to experience some things first. So it's just, just as like a general note, that brain fog, please give yourself grace with that. You know, this is another, like, don't set yourself up for trying to be master strategist during this time necessarily. And when you do get confused, again, who's in charge of Pisces right now? It's Jupiter and Capricorn. How can your values that are deeper and wider than like your day-to-day tasks guide you when you do feel confused or you do feel brain foggy or whatever? You know, if your values are things like, I still show up for my friends when they need me, or, you know, I'm very punctual. That's a big, important thing to me. Like, 
Jupiter really has a lot to do with our values and principles. So it's like when you do feel confused and Mercury's like in detriment and fall and you're like, I don't even know where my phone is. Like it broke, it's <laughs> happening. You know, you can still adhere to your values and maybe that can be a grounding or a guiding principle when you're just like, I'm confused again. I thought we were done with that. <laughs> I love so, that. Yeah. Well, and especially since Venus just went over that whole yeah. part and she plays in that zone too. And so Mercury yes. can tap into that. Um, and, and help us extract some of that when we might not, you know, it's just not going to be that quick linear thinking that we had in Aquarius. It's going to be a little more all over the place. And you might, I found uh, the last uh, Mercury retrograde in Pisces and that whole very long journey uh, in early 2019 <laughs> um, was... I had so many pictures that would come in. I was just so visually yeah. stimulated. And sometimes the answer for me or what I was looking for, I would just envision rather, it wouldn't come in words. It would just be something that I would see or, you know, in, and that seemed very Mercury and Pisces to me where it's just giving me um, kind of abstract principles that come together in my mind that I can then kind of play with and, and follow that path to see where it turns out. But it's not just a quick, you know, thought that's like, oh, I'm on the train. No, it's more of a, you know, it's like playing pong in your mind where you're going back from one to the other and you yeah. might eventually catch the ball in the middle and then, you know, you can work with that. Um, but it's also a time, I think, that because we can see that kind of imagineering space, you know, uh, thoughts are very powerful. And when we have thoughts in an emotional sign, you know, we want to be very conscious about uh, what it is our mind is, is you know, kind of zhuzhing up up there. Because totally. if we want to, you know, this is a great period to imagine what you would like to see. Oh, and yeah. Imagineer, you know, like, like let that be the focus. Don't focus on, you know, kind of the more the negative things or, you know, because chances are that will get embedded too. And then we'll have these thought forms bubbling about that we're just not interested in the long run. So I think that's another way we can kind of, you know, work this Mercury and Pisces period um, and the retrograde as well. Um, yes. <laughs> totally. Cause like Mercury, you know, with, with in traditional astrology, Mercury, as you mentioned earlier, is in um, its detriment and fall in Pisces. And it's like, oh no, it's awful. It's really not. Mercury's so flexible. Yeah. You know, like Mercury is, is you know, traditionally not like assigned male or female in traditional texts. Like Mercury flexes to whatever its environment is. And that really speaks to how, you know, Mercury in Pisces, there's there's so much opportunity there. It's not just, oh, Mercury doesn't work anymore. It's perfect. It's so good for imagination and visualization and um, allowing some moisture to kind of um, blend all these disparate parts in our mind together. And then at the end of that, who knows, like what will congeal and what will stick and what new things will grow from that fertile place that you just can't get to when you have everything laid out in its tiny little bits. Everything has its space in a label and this and that. You know what I mean? Like yeah. there's a lot of opportunity there. Um, and I think people experience this transit um, a lot differently depending on how it hits them, what their natal um, positions are like. Yes. Some people feel so creative and they love it and they thrive and they write and they paint and it's wonderful. And they have these vulnerable conversations and they feel so healed. And some people are just like, I can't do anything in Mercury's and Pisces. So your mileage is really going to vary and it's a good time to stay open. 
and yeah. stay imaginative. I love what you said about that. Yeah, that's so true. It, it really does depend on your, so your natal placement. Oh, yeah. You know, because I have Pisces in the fifth house, you know, and I'm a musician. So for me, oh, I'm, amazing. Like, I'm just waiting. <laughs> I'm like, finally, I can work on some of these projects yeah. that have been sitting in the background here. And so I, I just love it. But um, but even I last year, I was I was like getting at my I was done with it. it like I, I had it was on the juice I needed, and I was ready to move on. Yeah. Um. And and just a reminder, you know, from back in 2019, uh, March 5th through the 28th was when we had our retrograde in in Pisces. So if you want to kind of recall your memory, or if you journal, which I highly recommend people doing, because that's the best way to keep track of the planets and to see the after effects is write it down. Um, yeah. You might want to go back and look at that time period uh, to see, you know, how that all plays out. But, you know, starting February 2nd, uh, Mercury is going to be in that shadow phase, as we say, um, and we'll go retrograde on February 16th at 12 degrees Pisces. And we'll not be direct again until March 9th when we're in Pisces season, and that will happen at 28 degrees of Aquarius. And really, I was kind of looking at it like, kind of moving from, you know, that emotional headspace, that in, you know, intuition headspace, and kind of taking all those, you know, visualizations we were talking about, and then grounding them in that knowing and that reason when we're, when it's all yes. said and done with that Aquarius. And, and we'll get that same type of opportunity later on in the year when we go through the Scorpio, uh, Libra, uh, Mercury, yes. too. So, I think it's um I think it's a nice little shift that we get as these retrogrades are starting to like inch towards their new elemental um, roles down the Absolutely. line. Absolutely. So now it's not just Mercury who is moving signs. We also a few days after Mercury we have Venus who is going to ingress into Aries on February seventh, the day before our full moon in Leo. And so uh, here's another one of those kind of fall from graces <laughs> that happened with <laughs> with Venus moving out of her exaltation of Pisces and into her own detriment or one of her detriments of uh, Aries there. And so Joe, what do you think about Venus moving from her? Piscean land to this very different fiery energy. Honestly, I love Venus and Aries. <laughs> like, I just really like Venus and Aries. Um, I think part of it has to do with how all this hits my natal chart, which I won't get into. But Venus and Aries is spicy. Venus and Aries is like, you know, I've been in Pisces, like prioritizing compassion and healing and connection and like all this limitless love and like what are boundaries? Do we really need them to like, I'm putting myself first. Yeah. This is what I want. And you know, if saying no to you means saying yes to me, I'm doing that now. And it's such a big shift. I think this is another transit that, that can feel very different to different kinds of people, depending on what's emphasized in your chart. Um, but I think to some, some of us, um, I'm one of them, it feels like kind of shaking off some of the, like, you know, the water droplets and kind of like, I imagine like a, like a dog or a cat, like shaking when they get out of the water and it's just like water everywhere. And they're like, all right, let's dry off. Let's, let's, let's do something different. I'm ready to move. Like there's not the same flow that you get as a movement quality that you get in water signs. There's more of like a, let's take action. Let's surge forward. Let's move upward in fire signs. And I think that this could for some people be kind of a welcome energy shift. Um, but yeah, it is kind of a fall from grace in a way. Um, Venus in Aries is spicy. Venus in Aries has this, um, this passion and this kind of desire to like, 
tell you what she wants rather than, and, and tell you, right. And take what she wants rather than like being quite so, um, I don't want to say not being amiable cause that's not true, but like not necessarily like acquiescing in the same way and being accommodating yeah. and like thinking so much of the other person. Yeah. Not as flexible, a little bit more like, Nope, this is how I'm <laughs> going to do this now. Yeah. And so what I think is, is so interesting too, is that we get Venus moving into Aries and on the, like hours later, I don't know the exact hours, but like the moon moves into Leo right then, which is number one. We're kind of getting close to that full moon and we're getting these two like connective emotional planets and fire signs where it's like, okay, I've been through all this stuff, you know, like I've been through the confusion and the doubt and like the arguments and like this and that, whatever you've been through during this, that packed first week of Aquarius season and all of that. And being like, what does this mean about me? What about my desires? Like, how do I, how do I know how to integrate this into my identity? Like there's an identity thing happening here. It feels like, and, and maybe I'm kind of segueing too quickly. Into the no, moon, I think but, you're on point. You're on point. But like, I can't, you can't ignore that timing, right? Suddenly it's like, all right, what does this mean about me? You know, there's my plan. There's, you know, the stuff I've been through, there's where I'm going to go now. There's the data, but like, I'm this person with like a flame inside me. And like, what does this mean about who I am? And like the, the, who am I? And what does that mean? Is so a Leo Aquarius axis idea. So it's like, that's getting pinged right as Venus is moving into Aries and, um, Aries in a sign ruled by a malefic always makes me think of like, you know, saying yes to what you want means saying no to what you don't want. And sometimes you find out your desires and what you want to draw towards you, which is what Venus does and what you like, what pleases you, which is Venus stuff by knowing what you don't like. Mm -hmm. So there could be this idea, there could be some of that energy coming in here too. And then this moon in Leo, this full moon in Leo is like, I have the right to have these desires because I'm a person and it matters. And like, <laughs> you know what I mean? So yes. it feels, there's like a big tonal shift. And, and it's interesting because meanwhile, Mercury's in Pisces, like, but we still have to process these feelings. Like yeah. we get the feelings are still here. So like, what am I supposed to do with these? So it's an interesting combination. I'm interested to hear your thoughts. Yes, it is an interesting combination. <laughs> and I was thinking the same thing with it, just how divine timing that Venus moves right. into this. It's, you know, Aries, it's, it's about me. You know, what do I want? What am I propelling myself to do? What am I going after in life? And then we're lit up by this Leo full moon that is... Uh, another heart-centered connection that yeah. is very much around, you know, who who are you? What is your creative impetus in this world? What are you trying to, where are you trying to shine? Not trying, we're not trying, we are. But, you know, like this is all culminating together and especially have a period of two weeks and especially, you know, that earlier part where we might've been going back and forth and especially in relations to others. And so if you are just happen to be in one of those, you know, potentially rocky relationship situations, this might be the part where if you do have to part ways, because that's a reality of life, you know, not all of us can work it out. But if that, if that is part of your story, I think that this is going to be the moment where you're like, all right, I am this new woman or I am this new man. And I'm like, I am totally feeling myself. And like, where's this leading to next? Who am I? Who am I after this partnership? 
or even when you're in the partnership and it's getting reconfigured. Who am I in this partnership? Um, you know, who am I even without the partner? <laughs> Where am I in this equation? Um, and, totally. and, and especially, you know, Venus and Aries and we got, you know, we can't ignore the fact that, you know, she's also approaching that conjunction with Chiron too, mm-hmm. which can trigger, you know, your own assertive role in, in the world and where, you know, where are you putting your energy? Where are you putting that Mars dynamic? Because, you know, now Venus is looking to Mars, basically, who's still in the tail end of Sagittarius, about to make his own moves. Um, mm-hmm. So that's just adding extra fire uh, and movement to our story um, going on here. So I think this is going to be a very much me first uh, <laughs> um, full moon. And I don't think that's a bad thing. I think that we need to get connected with that. Because if we're going through all these Venus transits, at the end of the day, we're all seeking a, a sense of wholeness. And if we don't have an integrity within ourselves, uh, you know, we have to come back to ourselves to be able to, you know, feel that sense of stability and rootedness in who we are, and then then connecting from that point with other people. And I think if we all kind of reconnect to our own inner flame and our own desires, then we're just going to be able to connect with each other that much more. So that's kind of what I'm thinking for this absolutely episode. yeah so now there's there's really not a whole lot of action that happens after this full moon for aquarius season it's like we have the venus comes around to conjunct chiron on the 10th then we have a last quarter moon in scorpio on the 15th which you know a last quarter moon in scorpio is bound to kick up some sort of <laughs> passion dust i'm sure mm-hmm. as we we push into um you know the the last half of this uh, uh, I'm like, what season is it? Aquarius season. I'm still in Aries in my mind. Um, and so, I mean, do you have any th- thoughts about kind of last quarter in Scorpio and what we might, another Mars ruled energy, basically as Mars, well, let me put some stats down here. So basically we have a last quarter moon at 26 degrees of Scorpio on February 15th. And that just happens to be sextile Saturn and Pluto with old Mars at the final degree of Sagittarius. So to me, this seems like hmm, (laughs) something's changing here. This is so funny because that's right after Valentine's Day. And so we have like a Scorpio (laughs) moon Valentine's Day everyone's like, well, you better not screw up Valentine's Day because Venus is in Aries and I want what I want. Like Valentine's Day is so funny. I'm sorry. It's just so funny. It is. It is. It's like in the weirdest season of astrology. It really is. (laughs) I know. I'm like, oh, good. Yeah. High flying Aquarius with all the plans and the strategy, like doesn't feel like factoring love into that all the time. (laughs) Anyway, it's really interesting because right at this last quarter moon moment, you know, we have... Mars about to change signs and about to get real strong and real intense. So it's, it it just, I don't know. It's, and, and Mars ruling both Aries and the moon in this moment is really like, all right, everyone guess who's about to be boss. There's about to be more than one boss in town. It's not just Saturn anymore. It's not, we're not just looking at Jupiter anymore. Like I'm about to enter Capricorn and like get stuff done. Yeah. <laughs> and so it may feel like I, there are some times, and like I notice this in my meetups when I do like my local meetups is like people pick up on these things in ways when they're not watching the transits like I am, you know, like they're not doing the things that we're doing right now, going step by step, day by day through solar fire or whatever. Um, but they, they feel like something's about to shift. And that's what this feels like to me is like, oh, something's about to like get real. And I think that's absolutely 
the the feeling we'll, we're getting here at this last quarter moon is like, oh, something big's like about to to change over. Um, so that's kind of how it feels to me. And like, there's with, with Mars um, and a Scorpio moon particularly, because like a Scorpio moon isn't particularly loud about all these desires. And stuff. Yeah. It's very secretive and strategic. It's um, it's almost like a calm before the storm kind of feeling <laughs> or like you're about to see the real action in a way that we didn't when Mars was, you know, traipsing through Sagittarius being excited about this and that. And oh, I want to do things and I have all these opinions, you know, something different is about to happen. Yes. I think you're absolutely right about that. And the, and the quiet part of it too, because yeah. there will be tension. There's going to be activation. We are turning that chapter and we know that something big is on the horizon and there absolutely is Pisces season um, and Aries season, you know, the ingress is those are, they're loaded. So you are not wrong to feel this at this point (laughs) in time. Um, But sitting with it might be the challenge because, you know, the uncertainty or, or maybe the certainty, but we just know we're not there yet, you know, Uh, that is going to be sitting and churning in this intense Scorpio space. And especially with Mars on that last Sagittarius degree, you know, um, I think we are really going to be churning through our stories at that, that time and trying to get emotionally situated in the way that everything yeah. is, is changing. Um, but then like the day after, you know, so we get through this, this Scorpio moment that Valentine's Day, I love how you brought that, <laughs> that up. That, so I used to always laugh because in my, in my youth, I would always find that I would have a relationship around, you know, Christmas. And then by the time that it would get to Valentine's Day, maybe like a week prior, two weeks prior, we'd always break up. So I would <laughs> never make it to the Valentine's Day, you know? And, and so, I, <laughs> I, so I always funny. had high hopes at Christmas, but would never make it to the, the formal. Um, so I always just thought that was funny. But it actually lines up with my chart perfectly, the way things work out. So I, it made sense to me after the fact when I understood myself more why that would happen. <laughs> um, but I just thought that was funny. Uh, but Okay, so basically we have this last quarter moon and then the last two things that happen the following day, February 16th, we have Mars move into uh, its exaltation of Capricorn and get ready people for that. Uh, And of course, Mercury is going to go retrograde that same day that Mars moves into Capricorn. Now, we've already talked about Mercury retrograde, so I think we can bypass this. So we'll pretty much, uh, you know, get down to the rest of our forecast on this Mars moving into uh, Capricorn. So, Joe, <laughs> here we are. Here Buckle we are. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't want this to sound bad because I don't think it necessarily is, but there is this getting down to business energy when Mars goes into Capricorn. It's like, all right, Jupiter, you've been telling us to reconfigure our priorities and consolidate for months now. It's time to get shit done. And I, maybe I can't curse on your show. I don't know. Oh, you can. But, um, that's fine. <laughs> okay, great. Perfect. Because that's the kind of energy that Mars and Capricorn yes. is bringing. It's like, okay, what are we doing? We need to do this. And Mars is like, I'm done playing emotional games. I'm done having doubt. I'm done being paranoid. We've been through enough. It's time to make progress. It's time to do it. doesn't matter if you're tired. It doesn't matter if blah, blah, blah. Like, I'm done with your excuses. Show me the results. And that's what the energy feels like, which is interesting because this is the energy 
that's directing Venus in Aries. Mm-hmm. So talking about who's in charge of who, you know, Mars and Capricorn is in charge of Venus and Aries. So Venus is like, I'm putting myself, per, you know, first and these are my desires and they matter. And like, I want what I want. And Mars is like, yep, you're exactly right. Be ruthless. And that's really good advice sometimes. And sometimes it can cause us to go overboard. <laughs> so it's, there's a lot here, especially with Venus. Cause like we're talking about Venus getting more in contact with these primal desires and like this, you know, me first and like what I want matters the most right now. It's still Venus and it is Venus in her detriment. And it's like, I think a lot of people who kind of consider themselves empathic or healers or what have you, I think, and I think a lot of people in our community do consider themselves that to some degree. It's really easy sometimes to turn on yourself when you don't want to hurt other people, but you have a lot of pent up frustration. So I think this is a time to be careful about how you channel this major determination and this major impetus to action. Because if you find yourself with some obstacles, which you will, because it's life, how are you going to guard against not turning that on yourself? Because Mercury is in Pisces, it's going to be retrograde. And that's the time when your mind spins stories about your self-worth that may not be true. Mm. So how can you use this energy and channel it, but kind of keep, keep your finger on the pulse of am I being just way too hard on myself because Mars is bossing me around right now? Or am I really using my energy effectively? There's a lot of potential here, but when we're dealing with a malefic planet, the tendency is not towards moderation and being leveled out. It's a little more tending towards extremes. So I think we're going to feel this drive to really get down to business when this happens. And the challenge is going to be like not running yourself into the ground or making judgments on yourself for why you're not there yet. Mm -hmm. It's already February. Like, why haven't I gotten past this yet? Those are, are those, so, so a good way to harness this energy would be to, if you do find yourself thinking thoughts like that, spinning stories, making judgments about yourself or about others, ask yourself, is this contributing in an effective way to where I want to be in one month, three months, a year, whatever? Is this an effective course of action? Is this thought helping me? Is it contributing to my plan or is it just kind of like a Mars and Capricorn like circle jerk where you just are getting off on having such a strong opinion and being so able to repress your emotions to get the job done. Ask yourself these things. It's a good time to have those regular check-ins because this is going to make people want to get shit done and really get after it, I think. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And and we, we've got to be careful not to bulldoze over with our own sense of like yeah. power and like just persistence and, you know, because Mars and Capricorn is quite strong. Um, right, so like an overcompensation yeah. element almost after the beginning of Aquarius season, how that started. Like you don't need to overcompensate. You can just compensate. 
Yes. You can, you know, <laughs> you can just call up and say it. it, it it's good, you know, and it's, and I, I really think 2020, we just got to keep in mind in, in, as a total that this is a tortoise race, not a hare race. You know, oh, yeah. this is, this year is very tortoise. And so we want to make strong, purposeful movements uh, and not get carried away on, you know, a power dynamics or like a sense of <laughs> our own, you know, perceived exaltedness just because we can, um, because that. That's not going to help us, but it can absolutely help us if we are just focused on the right tasks. And that's really going to come, I think, when we turn around into Pisces season, and especially right when we get in Pisces season on, you know, about February 22nd, that's when Mars and Capricorn is going to trigger our solar eclipse degree. And that's when, you know, really kind of the eclipse energies are going to start to manifest in their in their own ways. And so that's not so much Aquarius season, but you know, the last dying breaths of Aquarius season are going to start to get situated into this agenda that's really going to play out going forward. So I'm excited to see Mars and Capricorn personally, just Me because, too. you know, I, but I absolutely agree with your just kind of, you know, fair warning <laughs> that it can absolutely, because it is malefic, you know, Mars and Saturn, they can go too far on things, and especially Mars. Mars just pushes and, you know, has an agenda and it's relentless. It doesn't stop. And so uh, it has to check itself in some way. And sometimes, um, you know, it's hard to check Mars, especially if you're a Mars-driven person already. You know, yeah. if you have a lot of Aries, Scorpio energy, you know, you're probably the first on the list that might need to check yourself before you wreck yourself type of situation. Yeah. Um, but you might be the first on the list to get a lot of, you know, stuff done or, you know, and For make sure. some good head, headway on the foundations that are being laid. So, um, you know, I think that is a, uni- a universe's gift to us, but it's also an activating force that's really going to set a lot of stuff into motion. Um, now, I drew a couple cards for this Aquarius season uh, just because I was, you know, just picked up an Oracle deck. I chose the wisdom of the Oracle. Um, I don't know too much about it. I got it recently. But anyways, the cards that I drew for Aquarius were peace, uh, which is freedom from attachment and radical acceptance. I thought that was very interesting. The idea of very Uranus. Very Uranus. Very, you know, radical acceptance of, uh, you know, other other people and radical acceptance about being where you are in life and you're exactly yes. where you need to be. Yes. <laughs> That's okay. Uh, between worlds, I thought this was funny. Transitions, not being quite out of one situation and fully engaged to another. Temporary blindness, blindness, no man's land. Um, that seemed very appropriate in between these two too. And then the last one I got was soulmates, which was harmonious partnerships, love, friendship, companionship, relationships, fostering personal growth. Um, so I just thought those were interesting, a uh, three card pick to come up for Aquarius season, given everything we just talked about, you know? Wow. That's really fascinating. It's really picking up on the Neptune, Venus, yeah. Mars stuff, you know? It like. Is. That's so cool. I love that. I'm not much of a card slinger myself, so I'm always so eager to hear what people are getting from their decks yeah. and stuff like this. I love it. I love I love it. I love pairing it up because it's just such a magic, yeah. you know, the universe like really out of all the cards you chose those. And of course. Of, of course. course. That's how it works. Um so now Joe, would you have any like a takeaway for people, you know, in Aquarius season any final like if you were to say <laughs> Yeah, I think I think if I were to boil it down, and I'm going to try to do this jargon-free to kind of clarify it a little bit, 
you know, it's a good time to observe. It's a good time to stay flexible. And, you know, there's going to be a lot around desire and what we want and what we need to prioritize in our lives. And I think as these things shift wildly at times, because there will be some wild shifts, some realizations, some turning the page and being surprised at what you see on the next page, some changing your plans and some, some really dreaming big about plans. Um, it's important that when you feel caught up, because we're all going to get caught up in something, in some moment, that's part of life is going overboard or, you know, just getting so caught in the moment or in the heat of the moment. Um, what do you fall back on? What do you use to come back down? And I think what keeps coming to mind, I said jargon-free, but I'm going to say one thing. (laughs) With everything coming back to Capricorn and Jupiter being there, how can you go back to your values? And how can when you're in confusion or when you're fired up, how can you stay rooted in, I'm going to do something values-guided, values-driven? I may feel passionate about this and maybe I do need to try that thing or take that action, but is it really in alignment with my principles? Is this the person, the kind of person I want to be and let that be a strong influence on the decisions that you make in this major time of change and flux. Um, let Jupiter help you with those values and continue to remind you amidst all the, you know, the malefic saying this and get the work done and do this, do that. Um, that sobering voice that says, you know, doing the right thing really matters and making sure it's the right thing for you really matters. Mm -hmm. So coming back to those values in the, in these questionable times. Oh, I think that is a fantastic a piece of advice for sure. Especially with that Leo full moon will be going through too, you know, because it does, there are points yeah. that do point back to us in this journey uh, and being, uh, you know, rooted in that. And, and your values, you know, that is a very, <laughs> what you value and what you hold as value is a, a reflection of yourself. Um, so it is key to check in with those uh, and to revise them too, if you need to. Absolutely. they change. Absolutely. Absolutely. They change over time. Totally. And it's like, that's what's so important is like, you know, values can change. They don't have to be rigid. But if you're coming from that heart space of like, I've evaluated it and, you know, this is what's important to me and authentic to me in this moment. And it's coming straight from your heart. That's, I promise you, going to be a better decision than one made on something you think you should do mm-hmm. or just sticking to something for the sake of it. Um, you know, and, and that's very Leo full moon, right? You know, say it with your chest, like make it come from the heart. Like it's, it's always more pure that way. Even if it changes later, it's more pure that way. And that's better for everybody. Right. Spoken spoken as the true Leo she is. Um, (laughs) All right, Joe. Well, you are such a pleasure to talk to. Where can people find you? What do you got going on? Well, um, I have a lot of what we just talked about going on. I'm kind of plotting my course for 2020. I'm, I'm loving kind of the distance we're getting from eclipse season. So I have a lot of things that are not yet... Um, on the books with like a published date. But uh, if you keep an eye on my socials, you will see I will probably be on another podcast at the end of the month. I I won't tease who yet. Um, Got some cool IS stuff coming up. And the best way to keep track of all this stuff and keep up with me and find out more about me and my work um, is at joegleason.com. It's just J-O-G-L-E-A-S-O-N.com. And I'm on Twitter and Instagram at just joegleason. 
J-U-S-T, Joe Gleason. So that's the best way to keep up with what I'm doing. Um, Youngastrologers.org, definitely check out Aya if you haven't already. We've got some exciting stuff coming up for February there too. But but yeah, I'm getting some stuff reconfigured and I'm excited for my plans and then for changing them later. So definitely <laughs> keep an eye on on what I'm doing because it will be more, but I'm I'm not going to commit to saying anything quite yet. Perfect. Hey, we're in between two worlds, you know. Yeah, exactly. It's not I'm embracing yet. it. Yeah. <laughs> All yeah. right. Well, in, okay. So I always post a blog post uh, for each podcast. So in case you didn't catch that, you can always go to energeticprinciples.com and I will have Joe's information there as well. Um, and you can also find me on social media on Facebook and Instagram at Energetic principles. And of course, just as a reminder that my weekly forecasts are now on Patreon. So a good way to support this podcast and these podcasts that I bring forth and get to share with these wonderful astrologers and people of like mind, you know, that is supported through my Patreon efforts. So if you want to get that detailed seven day a week forecast where I get in, you know, Saturn and Virgo, maybe gets in there too much, but trust me, <laughs> I, don't miss a, I don't miss a beat. Um, and so you can do that uh, starting at $5 a month. So that is over at patreon.com backslash energetic principles. Now, you know, people need to know about Aquarius season. So sharing is caring, tell a friend, spread the word, you know, get it out there, leave a nice review wherever you listen to this, because that will help myself and Joe be seen uh, by more people and to spread the good word about astrology uh, and, you know, what's going on in the skies, because I guarantee we're on to something. (laughs) Uh, So (laughs) definitely, definitely check that out and spread the good word. All right, Joe. Well, you were such a pleasure to talk to. I finally, I'm glad that we finally got to meet on this Venus sextile Uranus moment. That's when we're talking right now. So thanks. yes, this has been such a fun time. It's been such a pleasure. Thank you so much for inviting me. Absolutely. I hope you'll visit me again. <laughs> I would love that anytime. <laughs> All right, everyone. I hope you'll visit me again as well. Thank you so much for listening. And as always, may the stars be with you. Mm-hmm.